Odyssey. And welcome once again to the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I, as you know, am intern Alex, joined once again by Patrick Young. The greatest referee in professional wrestling history, the one and only Patrick Young. Now, who determined that you were the best referee of all time? Listen, if you have seen me in the ring, you know my capabilities. It stands out for itself. What qualities define you as a great referee? I am the best out there, period. Just the best? I'm the best. At counting to three? Uh, well, knowing the rules, knowing how everything's supposed to go, I am the best in that ring, night in and night out. But I don't see your referees. official rule book. You never carry around your official rule book. I got it all in my head, man. Oh, it's all upstairs. It's all upstairs. Wow. Now, how how many years did it take you in wrestling school uh, to get your certification as a referee? I, I technically didn't have any. And, and that somehow makes you the best. Once again, when you've seen my qualifications, it speaks for Yourself, man. Let's count to three. One, One two, two, three. I'm lost. You see, you see, are the it's best. Very, it is. It's, it's tougher very, than it looks. It's very tough to be the greatest referee Absolutely. of all time. One thing you do well as a referee, though, that I notice, you always check for weapons. Absolutely. Now, refs have gotten pretty lax about checking for weapons, you but you always, don't let anybody slide. You step in that ring, you get patted down. Even in a no DQ match, Even you no will DQ check match. for you weapons. You better make sure. That's right. But going into this week, man, nothing really major happening. And it's going to be like that this coming week as well. We're recording this on the Sunday, the night before Labor Day. Before it's Labor a holiday Day. weekend. And traditionally, holiday Raw episodes, nothing happens. No. Your thoughts on the only big story of Kevin Owens finally getting his push, finally getting the Universal title, which I hate. Why do you hate it, though? It's ridiculous. Uh, it's, it's just a name of a belt. But it sucks so bad because if you're going to have it, don't just change the background color or the strap. Let's actually have a different belt. Now, 
we've got every single title looking the exact same. They want that uniformity. They want to be like the UFC, where all the belts look the same. And it's it sucks. It's bad. It's terrible. I agree with... Uh, I see a lot of people on Facebook posting, you know, what's your favorite belt, whether it's the Winged Eagle or the Big Gold Belt. I prefer to bring both of them back. Well, see, we get sentimental about the past. Exactly. But in a few years, people will be saying, I really miss that WWE Universal title. I really hope they don't, because it is that ugly. It's just not my style. And They're meant to look like Super Bowl rings or something. That's it. And the the SmackDown tag titles is the exact same, just with a blue strap. Penny-colored ones are ugly. The, right. I actually like the silver ones better. Yeah. If you're going to go with that style. If you're going to keep that style, yeah. But now, other than the difference of the red strap, the Universal title and the women's title is the exact same belt. There's no difference. Well, I think they're a little smaller. The women's belt's probably a little smaller. The same color. The thing that I don't like about the split titles is that the lineage of the title gets really broken up because eventually this universal belt will go away okay? and we'll yeah. go back to yeah. just having a WWE title somewhere down the road and so then anybody that had that and not the WWE belt it's just like what did you even have yeah no one even remembers that belt I am finally ecstatic to see Kevin Owens getting a push that he deserves uh, back to when he was Kevin Steen in Ring of Honor I mean uh, yeah I'm really nervous about it just because of the way that they did it Triple H won the match so Triple Triple H got all the heat from the match. Triple H beat Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and handed the belt to Kevin Owens. And And if they slot him in the same way that they slotted Seth Rollins last year, it's not going to be good. Well, I mean, if you go back and watch it carefully, you see words with with Triple H and Mick Foley. So I don't know if they're trying to set up something there. The authority cannot come back. I am over that. You never know. I mean, it would be nice to see if we could go back to like the 2000 and see, you know, Triple H and Mick Foley once again going out. At it. Mick Foley has said time and time again his in-ring career is over with, but you know it doesn't mean we can't have some some other form of a rivalry going on between those two. I don't know how they would pull it off. I think it would it would turn out well. It would add some characteristic to Raw and SmackDown because I was really happy about the brand extension, seeing the draft come back. SmackDown has sucked ever since it's happened. So yeah, I was happy that they were making SmackDown a live show because I never watched it when it was recorded uh, because it didn't matter. Right. Because they were just rematches from Raw or just show you highlights from Raw. So it made it a little bit better, but they've really, they've stunk the last few weeks. They have. You called it on our last podcast of the uh, headbangers jobbing. Unfortunately, that was a true statement. Well, it's a really thin roster over there, so they needed somebody, they needed this extra team in the tournament. Other than AJ, I mean, you've got Cena, who's now taking a hiatus for a little bit. Right, he's filming American Grit. So, I mean, you don't you don't really have any talent over on SmackDown. Well, they've made that Dean made, Ambrose into such a weak champion that he's not even a star that's anymore. That's it. That's, and, and, and the only star on the show is AJ. Now, he is the greatest pro wrestler in the world at the moment. I would I would second that. Outside of him, who else do we really have on that show? Bray Wyatt? I don't. Well, he's getting into it with Randy Orton. So I guess it's actually AJ, Randy Orton, probably Bray Wyatt. There's your three so biggest So we're looking stars. at maybe here in a couple more weeks, SmackDown picking up and finally... Sh- 
showing its capabilities. This pay-per-view is going to be a disaster, though. because Backlash they, is going to suck. They've only had three weeks to set it up with half the talent you have on the Raw roster. They're yeah. going to want to fill four hours with that group of people. It's it's just not going to work. Backlash is going to be terrible. Are I, you even going to watch it? I don't think I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Well, you have to study. It, it's a wrestling It's tape study. It's a wrestling show. Of course I want to watch it. Well, but. you pay $10 for the network. You have to watch everything that they do. Now, do you watch CWC? I do not. See, you're really I missing had, out. That's actually the best show I they actually, produce. I right had now. some friends that uh, that qualified and performed. Schedule's been so busy, I haven't been able to catch up with it. I think adding the cruiserweights will be a big advantage to bringing back some sort of some sort of Nitro WCW kind of. They're going to put all the cruiserweights on Raw, though. That really stinks for SmackDown because that's where they need it. We'll see. And here's where it's going to open up. We're going to have the hardcore title on SmackDown. Well, they just released a hardcore title DVD, so, so I, that I would think, make sense. I think that would be if you want to see Cruiserweights, you watch Raw. If you want to see Hardcore, you're going to watch SmackDown. I don't know that a lot of people are really clamoring for the Hardcore matches because they're just plunder matches. They're just, I hit you with a random object and you hit me with a random object. Our show for this week was WrestleMania 17, which had some pretty hardcore matches in and of itself, uh, especially one for the title. So where do you think they take Kevin Owens? I hate to go back, but where do you think they take Kevin Owens now? Because the end of that match has a lot of different directions you can go, but who do you think Kevin Owens gets at Night of Champions? I see Kevin Owens getting possibly a thing going with the Roman Reigns, only because of the fact that they're going to turn around and set up Seth Rollins and Triple H. For what, Survivor Series or something? I'm thinking that's going to be, yeah. I'm thinking probably they're either going to do a three-way with Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Kevin Owens at Night of Champions. You made it easy this week. You made it easy on me. We started off this podcast with a terrible pay-per-view, the Final Four from Chattanooga, Tennessee in 1997, and we bumped it up a notch when you selected that we review WrestleMania X7, Sunday, April 1st, 2001, from the Reliant Astrodome in Houston, Texas. In front of an attendance of 67,925 people. Absolutely. And this was a this was a 11 match pay-per-view. So JR mentions 11 matches and you think, "Oh no, these are going to be long matches that are terrible." No, actually, a lot of them are short nothing matches. All the titles are going to be defended tonight except the light heavyweight championship, so no Crash Holly, sorry. No Crash. But yeah, we started off with the IC title. Uh, no, Patrick, you're forgetting the most important dark match in wrestling history. We had a dark match. Well, it was dark, but it was on Sunday Night Heat back when Sunday Night Heat would be the pre-show. Sunday Night Heat was the pre-show. I am jumping the gun. Do you remember who was in the Sunday Night Heat main event? Okay, it's 2001. I'm assuming it's X-Pac. Yo, you dealing with the X Factor. I got everything I ever wanted, and I'll never get that back. Oh, I know you hate that Factor. (laughs) Yes, that's correct. And I am not even looking at notes. I knew that off the top of my head. We gotta get a few more people paydays. Um, I don't know, Alex. Let me know, brother. You were correct with X Pac. You were on the right track. It was X Factor, just incredible. X Pac with Prince Albert, and they defeated Steve Blackman and Grandmaster Sex. Say in two minutes and 46 seconds. Let's say that one more time. Grandmaster Sex A. I, I try to say it like Jim Ross you says. You do, it. and I love that. Who won that match? X Factor got the big win. X Factor got the big win. We open WrestleMania with a celebration of life, a movie guy voiceover. Did you notice everybody in this celebration of life promo was watching TVs with antennas? 
Yes. How were they watching WrestleMania on a TV with an antenna, Patrick? I am in not, other countries. I, there know, are people in the desert. The there desert, are people in the street. We had China. We had Japan. You everywhere. Saw, everywhere. And they could all get WrestleMania over the air. What What I This missed, is where I wanted to live. Right. Because what, I couldn't get pay-per-view. You have to pay for it over here. Which, uh, yes. Which, and my parents would never do that. No. So I, there was no hope of me getting WrestleMania X7. Until I was 10 years old, We, if it wasn't free, on TV, we didn't watch it. I think we got a total of three in my entire first ten years of my life. To be fair, you know, you get the results the next night on the Monday night show. And that that's the truth. So, um, one of my favorite intros, though, to a WrestleMania, I love this. I love the fact that we had uh, Classy Freddy Blassie doing the, the voiceover for it. Yeah, he did a few pay-per-view intros around this time. Every single one that he's ever done, I just think has turned out wonderful. It's very well scripted. It's very well thought out. I think the intro into... Nothing looks sadder, though, than Freddie Blassie with his walking stick and his sitting down in his chair. Freddie Blassie is a true legend in the wrestling business. Till the day he died, he was involved with WWE, and his voiceovers for promos and for intros were great. The voiceover guy says this is the granddaddy of them all. What exactly is it the granddaddy of, Patrick? WrestleMania is the granddaddy of all sports. But what does that mean? It is... It means nothing. It is the Super Bowl, it is the World Series, it is everything, the Final Four, an NBA, it, it's it's everything rolled into one. But when you call something granddaddy, that means it's old. That it's it's the the past. That it was like the first, maybe. But there, the Super Bowl was around before it. The World Series was around before it. So technically, this is the baby of them all. Well, I mean, if you're going by the first, you're going by uh, Starcade before WrestleMania. You know, you had Starcade 83, you had and WrestleMania even before, start in 85. So. Even before WrestleMania, you had the WWF Wrestling Classic. So that wasn't even the first pay-per-view the WWF did. Right. When you think of pro wrestling, though, you think of WrestleMania. You you walk up to a non-wrestling fan and you say, hey, what are you going to watch this weekend? Or, hey, WrestleMania's coming on. They're going to say, oh, yeah, WrestleMania. It's, it's a household word. It's a household name. I just think the term granddaddy of them all is weird. You don't refer to anything else as the granddaddy of them all. You don't say my car, granddaddy of them all. Well, my pair of shoes, granddaddy of them all. <laughs> you are you are right. That obviously was a coined phrase by Vince because I cannot think of anybody else who would think this of is the only that way. thing that uses that term, granddaddy of them all. Well, uh, I love the showcase of the immortals. I love that's a better term. I love that. That is a great term. I think that is. He probably isn't able to trademark that one or something. It's probably something as simple as that. It could be. Yeah. Uh, we open up. We get Jr. and Paul Heyman on commentary. This is when the King quit over the cat getting fired. So it's Paul Heyman, the owner of ECW, doing commentary on a WWF show. Monday was the final WCW, and then you jumped right into WrestleMania. And uh, It was clear that this was written well in advance. This show was written well in advance because really very little incorporation of WCW. No WCW whatsoever. This was... Well, Shane McMahon had him in the skybox. There was... This was what I would call the last WWF pay-per-view. 
before you started having the invasion, before you started having the the mixture, and before you got the new roster. This was the last Attitude Era pay-per-view, in my opinion. A lot of people refer to this as the last Attitude Era pay-per-view, but the Attitude Era actually continued. It did. They didn't go PG until a few years ago. You just don't think about... When you think back into the Attitude Era, you think back of Austin Rock, you think back to Jericho, you think back to... You don't think of the Attitude Era as Booker T making his debut. Uh, yeah. Or you don't think of seeing guys like Goldberg, which in 2003 still was considered the Attitude Era. Goldberg made his debut. So you you think of this as technically the last Attitude Era pay-per-view, even though, like you said, the Attitude Era did keep running. I think of this as the last the last WWF pay-per-view during the peak period of wrestling. This is the last of the strongest ratings, the Monday Night War. This is everything. This is the end of that. It was the it was the heyday. It was Vince's celebration. Hey, we finally beat them. We closed their doors. You know, WWF New York is watching the big show tonight. WWF New York and the XFL. Vince McMahon's two investments during this time. How did those turn out, Patrick? Uh, New York lasted what a total of seven years, maybe if that long. And the XFL lasted one season. Do you know Vince had a chance to buy UFC? UFC was down in the dumps at this time because they couldn't get clearance from these commissions. They were outlawing the sport. They thought it was barbaric. MMA barbaric. They needed someone to buy the promotion, and Shane McMahon wanted Vince to buy it. They could have bought it for something like $2 million. It sold just a few months ago for over $4 billion. Right. Yeah. So Vince really blew it here. Vince is known as a brilliant businessman. The other, the XFL, I thought was a brilliant idea. The only problem with that is, is you have to separate for it to work wrestling. When you have the very first game on TV and you're not but two minutes into it and you have The Rock show up on their giant jumbotron, it killed every bit of momentum that they had running with the XFL. But no rules, football is a uh, is a great idea. So we got. Y2J out first. What I appreciated about this pay-per-view is they got right into the match. Yeah, they didn't they didn't waste any time jumping straight into here's the action, let's get up and go. I miss Howard Finkel very Howard much. Howard Finkel is the only guy that has been on every single WrestleMania still to date. William Regal's out next. He's the current WWF commissioner, so here we are. 15 years later, he's still a commissioner in the WWE. The only commissioner to wrestle. Did you know that? You I'm ha- pretty sure Commissioner McFoley probably wrestled. He did Some. not. He did not wrestle a single match. Okay. And Commissioner Slaughter, Vicky Guerrero wrestled. Slaughter, well, that's a joke in itself. But Sergeant Slaughter only did one match. So William Regal was the only one, commissioner-wise, that laced up and wrestled on a pretty... Commissioner Eric Bischoff, I think, wrestled. All the commissioners wrestled. That's ridiculous. This well, feud is over, uh, Patrick. It's over that Jericho pissed in his cup of tea. He did. He peed in his cup of tea. Don't piss in an Englishman's tea. No, and don't rub the moons on the Queen's picture, as you will find out later on in this pay-per-view. Jericho starts off the match with a flurry of punches and kicks. Regal's chest immediately goes red. It was blood red. He's a very pale man. He is, but those chops were pretty stiff. He lit him up pretty hard there. We get Regal bailing out of the ring. Jericho uses a crossbody over the top rope. He mostly missed it. He almost went completely over. Completely over him, yeah. They get back in the ring. Jericho nails a reverse elbow off the top rope for a two count. A lot of people doing reverse elbows tonight. 
we'll see later. You notice here how fast Chris Jericho is in 2001. He has slowed down quite a bit in 15 years. Yeah, I think uh, his drinking in man is catching up with him. Jericho's shoulder was attacked on Raw. Regal sends Jericho's shoulder into the turnbuckle a few times, so here we go, here we go, the assault on the shoulder. Uh, Jericho attempts a lion salt. Regal blocks it with his knees. Then Regal exposes the top turnbuckle. We'll see that later tonight, too. He throws Jericho's shoulder into it a few times. Then Jericho hits a missile drop kick for a two count. Regal hits a double underhook suplex off the top rope on Jericho for a two count. That's the best move he does in the entire match. Jericho attempts the walls of Jericho, but Regal reverses it into the Regal stretch, which is that modified STF. Which is extremely painful. It looks great, though. It does. It looks great. Jericho makes it to the ropes here to get the rope break. Jericho hits a bulldog and then hits a lion salt for the three in seven minutes and eight seconds. I miss the Chris Jericho lion tamer. The real lion the tamer. The real lion tamer. Where the one knees down on the, the mat and, I mean, it looks painful. He did break it out just the other week on Raw against uh, Neville. Neville. He did it on Neville. I so guess you have to be... On really small guys, he still... You, you can pull it off. Yeah, he tries it occasionally. I'm tired of the regular Boston Crab, and then they say, oh, he's got him in the walls of Jericho. It's not. Even the way he originally did the walls of Jericho looked better than just a regular Boston Crab. Oh, yeah. He would stand up. Well, and if you've noticed, Jericho over the years has really just not really gave a damn at all about what he does how he looks. He just... Well, his look has really gone downhill. I hate that he doesn't wear pants. More wrestlers need to wear pants. I am so sick of people wearing the Speedo, especially people that don't need to be wearing a Speedo, like 45-year-old Chris Jericho. Well, I mean, him and Bo Dallas, I think, are the only two that have the Dunlap disease going on in the WWE. I think Jericho's still a tremendous worker. Oh, yeah. He's a lot slower. I mean, this guy's been going at this for 20 years. I'm not not discounting his abilities whatsoever, but I think... tattoos, his, his haircut, his, his mustache, his yeah. little goatee thing. Let's let's get rid of the, the backwoods, back western, back in the day mustache, goatee deal. Let's stick with Jericho as Jericho. Let's not... It worked in 2001. It's worked for him. Let's get rid of this gimmick crap that he's doing now and keep Chris Jericho the way we all loved. Know and love Chris Jericho. I think he's very bitter that he's not The Rock, that he's not in Hollywood, that he's not an A-list actor. You might be onto something with that. But as we go backstage in this pay-per-view, we go to an interview with the APA, and you hear a a promo with Bradshaw, which is my favorite Bradshaw moment of his career. Kenny the Snake Stabler to hand off to Tyler Rose, Earl Campbell, while 70,000 people chanted, Love You Blue. This is the same place a big corn fed boy from Alvin, Texas, 45 miles from here, named Nolan Ryan, used to throw 100 mile an hour fastballs. The same place Tough Heatman used to hang on the bulls like he was Velcro. The same place that badass animal bodacious used to destroy Cowboys' egos. You don't understand. It's WrestleMania. Hearts gonna be broke. Legends are gonna be made. Eagles will be shattered and asses are gonna be kicked. We got a match! Which is sad to say. I don't like Bradshaw the commentator. I don't like Bradshaw as a commentator. I don't like Bradshaw on the mic. Love to watch him in the ring, but he needed somebody to talk for him. Now, what does Bradshaw say here? Bradshaw talks about the the uh, Houston, Texas Astrodome where they're at and how legendary the Astrodome was with the uh, the Astros 
baseball team with bull riding taking place there, the world class uh, doing special shows there. I miss the venues like the Astrodome and the Pontiac Silverdome, and we're about to lose the Georgia Dome. Uh, these big venues like the Cow Palace, you just don't have them anymore. Everything's getting torn down or everything's getting vacated and to where you, you can't do shows there anymore. And so this was one of the last hurrahs for the Astrodome before it had closed down a year later. Yeah, it's still standing today, though. It's just vacant. It's just vacant, which is unfortunate, like the Superdome. In, or I mean, the uh, the Pontiac Silverdome, not the Superdome. I'd had a Hogan moment there. <laughs> the uh, the Pontiac Silverdome. So he talks about how great of a, uh, a building and its lineage, and um, hopefully we'll hear that within this podcast. Uh, we go straight into a six-man tag with uh, Right to Censor and the three members of Right to Censor, Val Venus, Bull Buchanan, and The Good Father. Yeah, B-squared and B-squared. The Good squared Vince's parody of the Parents Television Council, which gave Vince a lot of guff over the Attitude Era. So this was his way of getting this back at them. This was his way of getting back at them. And you had who I still think is a uh, underrated wrestler, great man, good friend of mine, Stevie Richards, who led the way for the right to censor as their leader. And uh, But he wasn't officially in this match, which is he weird. He wasn't in this match. He's a better worker than Bull Buchanan. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Bull Buchanan uh, showed up, was there about three years and disappeared. I don't know what he's doing now. We have not... Hey, Bull, if you're listening <laughs> if to you're this... Out there. If you're listening to this... Someone's looking for you. Somebody's looking for... We're looking for you. Give us a call in something. The Good Father, he had just turned from the Godfather into the Good Father, joining up, admitting that his sins were wrong from being the uh, the pimp and stuff. But going into it, you have Taz and uh, the APA, Bradshaw and Farouk. Taz is a real disappointment to me here Taz, because he doesn't even bother wearing his tights. No. Taz... He's already <laughs> transitioning to being... An announcer, a commentator. Going two minutes into this match, Taz is so out of shape, he is sucking wind worse than an 80-year-old doing stretches. I mean, this is... We get Val and Taz, they're going to start the match brawling in the ring. The match turns into a big brawl because everyone starts bailing in. B-squared and Farouk officially start the match, though. Taz tags in, he suplexes B-squared, and then he eats a big boot in receipt. Then we get the good father tagging in. He and Val Venus throw Taz into the ropes. This is where Taz stumbles. <laughs> His WrestleMania moment. Taz didn't even turn around. He just went, hit the ropes forward, and then jumped right back. This was... He stumbles, hits the middle rope, and then bounces wildly back towards the middle of the ring. Hilarious. Great. One of my one of my WrestleMania moments. Oh, yes. Uh, Good Father hits Taz with the hoe train in the corner. It's not called the hoe train anymore, but he still does the hoe train. He hasn't changed his way too much. Good Father tries a Vader bomb. He goes up to the top rope and does a Vader bomb, misses it, and then we get Bradshaw tagging in on the uh you have Bradshaw side. come in, and this is where we're building up for the end of the match. Already. It's already, already time to go home. After some brawling between the APA and the uh, right to censor, Goodfather tries a hoe train on Bradshaw. He misses, and then, since I guess the RTC's out there, I'm going to say he eats a clothesline from heck, yeah. and the RTC is defeated in three minutes and 52 seconds. And my favorite part of this entire match is on the replay when you hear Paul Heyman go, Yeehaw! 
over and over again. It was a six-man match. This, this was, could have been cut from the card. This could have been cut from the card. Uh, we go backstage and we see comatose Linda, zombie Linda, being pushed in her wheelchair by Trish Stratus. Steph tells Trish to have champagne and strawberries ready for Vince after his victory over Shane later tonight and to be sure and crack some ice with a spoon. It's better that way. Hold Patrick. the ice in her hand and crack it with a spoon. It's much <laughs> better that way. Everyone knows that. Who in the hell thought of that? First it's funny. Off, it's hilarious. It's so. hilarious. But still, I would, if I was Trish, I'd have reached up and smacked her right upside the head. Raven's music hits, and now it's time for the hardcore title match. Uh, Raven is the champion, and he's out first. He's pushing a shopping cart full of plunder. Some plunder, baby. <laughs> yeah, hardcore plunder. Here we, we go. We, we, we actually had the kitchen sink. Was it in the shopping the cart? The shopping cart had the kitchen sink, but... The most awkward thing that was in the shopping cart was a stuffed Frankenstein doll. That's weird. I didn't notice that. You did not notice the stuffed Frank... He had a stuffed... Frankenstein. Oh, those really hurt. Yeah, exactly. But going into this match, uh, you think hardcore match, Big Show, Kane, and Raven. Raven is going to be outmanned, outsized. I felt very, very sorry for Raven going into this match. Kane's out next. Kane looks like he is in great shape uh, here. He's jacked. He's still wearing the mask, and JR mentions that he's 6'10". It's weird that they don't say that he's... Because they usually round up if you're 6'10", 6'11", so... This is the third year of the hardcore title. We're already three years in with the hardcore title. Raven's hair is cane-colored. It's like red and black and white and everything. Raven couldn't decide what hair color he wanted to go with for the special occasion so he just and his his ring attire is pretty bad too he's gonna wrestle in pleather jorts and a white t-shirt now raven and kane are in the ring the bell rings despite this is a three-way match we haven't even got the big show yet so the big show his entrance hit he he just comes out at his own leisurely pace no big deal he's wearing his onesie he looks terrible kane hits a clothesline from the top rope to the floor on big show and they go brawling through the crowd the director actually loses them a few times so the camera shot is just of nothing you kind of have have just a running cameraman shooting the crowd for a few minutes there. and uh, But he catches back up with them as they work their way towards the back. Yeah, this is what I call walk and brawl. A lot of walk and brawl here. Uh, then they get backstage. Kane chucks Raven into some drywall. Big Show hits a body slam on Kane onto some pallets. It was not up to code. There was no wood in this drywall. No, and it left a huge dent. Big Show takes Raven and the referee into a fenced off area. He tries to lock it, but Kane immediately opens the door. Why did Big Show think think that a lock would work and also he got the world's tiniest lock the, did he the, not watch bad blood 97 <laughs> kane ripped off kane a cage rips, door cages padlocks it just he can make fire shoot out of a ring and you think uh, yeah. a lock on a on a cage door is gonna it's keep not him gonna out. stop him and it didn't. He it, tore right through it. Raven is choking Kane with a garden hose, and Kane returns the favor. Then we get Kane chucks Raven right through the plate glass window of the fake office that's constructed right next to where they're fighting. Which, it, it was obvious this was a fake office, but that glass was real. And, and Raven, okay. Raven was cut pretty bad. Bleeding no, off he of did this. a nice blade job, but it was not real glass, Patrick. If I, I threw know. you through plate glass, Marty Janetti going through the plate <laughs> glass looked a lot better than this. This uh, glass his, instantly crumbles. His his back was pretty cut up. I don't know how you can do a blade job on your back like that. But I his, think it was just his greasy hair, you know? He cuts up here, and that hair slicks <laughs> back, and it's just going. He wore a white T-shirt, so it's going <laughs> to get everything. But you have Kane and Big Show at this point in time go uh, battling in through a they another part through the of drywall. that office. Yeah. 
they tear the the door down, keep going, then they actually go through the wall. Didn't just put a dent in it, went all the way through it. But like I said, this wall constructed without wood. No, yeah. There's just it was, drywall. It was put up strictly just for a prop for this match. It was obvious. And then the spot of the night. The golf cart. The greatest spot, probably one of the greatest spots in wrestling history. Raven, trying to make a run for it, hops on a golf cart. Big Show jumps on the back and chokes him to where they wreck. But my favorite part is Kane grabs the ref and throws the ref onto the back of the other golf cart, and Kane and the refs give chase to both of them. Yeah, so Raven steals a golf cart. Big Show hops on it behind him and choking him. And Raven is doing crazy theatrical steering wheel stuff with the golf cart and then drives it immediately into a ditch, right off the concrete into a ditch. And he turns the flashers on. (laughs) Did you notice that? that? He actually turns the flashers on. Well, you got to hit those hazard lights. It is. When you wreck, you got to turn the flashers on. He almost hit that electrical cable that killed power to the entire building. Now, this would have been the greatest match in WrestleMania history had he succeeded in cutting the power to WrestleMania. To WrestleMania. That would have been amazing. When Raven wrecks the golf cart, he doesn't give up on it at no, first. He, he tries to pull it out. Pull it back out. And Big Show waves him off and says, no, 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 this spot is dead. Big Kane is still behind. Kane and the He needs the, the ref. referee because he... he Kane's a smart wrestler. He knows he you, can't win, you without, can't the win re- without the ref. So he gets the ref to hop on his golf cart. Now, as he's speeding towards them, he realizes the other golf cart is wrecked. What do I do? Raven's smart and says, I'll step in front of the golf cart so you can hit me with the golf it cart. It was a good save. It was really bad acting. <laughs> yeah. It was because Raven just leaps down before the golf cart even gets there, and then it was really bad acting. But it was a great save for the for the spot. Um, That's pretty much the highlight of this match. They walk and brawl back out towards the ring. You see him back up to the stage. Uh, Big Show picks up Raven over his head. He's going to throw him off the stage. Kane comes in with a big boot. They both fall off into a glass, what would you call it, a plexiglass box it's like a side stage yeah it looks yeah. like a fish tank right a giant fish tank uh, Kane, for good measure drops an elbow onto big show uh, but he pins him the referee at this point in time i i do not give referees a hard time this much but the referee didn't even want to jump in the box with him no he counted, he counted on the, box. the three on the side of the box but one two three you have Kane winning the match your new hardcore champion, Kane, in 9 minutes and 17 seconds. Outside of the golf cart spot, a pretty forgettable match, but... I enjoyed the match. You say that, but I enjoyed the match. It was one. It's one of my favorite hardcore matches of all time. Ooh, no, no. It, it ranks up there with Road Dog and Al, Al Snow. Snow, Hardcore Holly, Al Snow. Uh, it, I don't... You don't think so? No. No. It was one of the best comedy hardcore matches I've ever seen. It's not meant to be violent. It's not a violent hardcore match. Well, you didn't really have a standard opponent to have a hardcore match with. I mean, you have Raven taking on two seven-foot giants. So So then we head out. We see Kurt Angle is watching video of himself tap out to Chris Benoit, and he tells Edge and Christian he never officially tapped out. No one was there to record it. So it didn't go down, so it never happened. Then we see murderer number one, Jimmy Snuka. He's at WWF New York, the first of two murderers we have on this card here tonight. Then we go to Jonathan Coachman, who has a full head of hair. He's interviewing a fan 
who just says Australia is the best and WWF rules. Then we see The Rock backstage. He's just now arriving. He's tardy. He needs to be fined for arriving late arriving to the late. Astrodome. I agree. Up next, we have Eddie Guerrero with Perry Saturn versus Test for the prestigious European Championship. The best part of this match is a hat that I would see you wear when Saturn comes out wearing this god-awful white furry hat. Perry Saturn's sense of style is nothing like mine, <laughs> unfortunately. But uh, this was a standard test match. It was terrible. I thought he looked fine here. Eddie made him look great. Eddie made Eddie carried this match. Test hits a power bomb to Eddie right off the bat for two. Test goes into control for a while. Eddie eventually tries for a hurricane run off the top. He gets blocked by Test and he eats a reverse elbow. Then we get Test running at Eddie. Eddie ducks, pulls the rope down, and gets Test's foot caught in the ropes. And Test is fucked here on the ropes. He doesn't have anywhere to go. No, he's uh he's just hanging there and. You see, the ref, see, if they had had Patrick Young, the referee there, I you could have pried him out. I would have pried him out. But this little referee could he not get even his do foot. It. You see, at this point in time, Perry Saturn and they cover Eddie for him. actually cover for him, and they pull him out of him. Eddie pulls him out. Yeah. But Paul Heyman covers for them, saying, hey, Eddie can't win the belt unless the guy's in the ring. Which is a great cover-up for an announcer. He's got a point. So, actually, JR says that Eddie can't win the belt without Tess, so there you go. Eddie gets a sleeper on Tess. He, like, rides him, like, piggyback style. Then Tess counters with a tilt-a-whirl slam, followed by a tilt-a-whirl powerbomb for two. Then we get Eddie hitting a low blow. Saturn interferes. It's the three-handle, moss-covered family credenza, which is from Jericho's 1004 moves promo. It was move number three. It was move number three. That's right. I mean, you get Tess hitting his pump handle slam, which I thought was his finisher. Saturn distracts him long enough for Eddie to kick out at two. Then you get a big boot to Saturn and to Eddie. Then Dean Malenko runs in and breaks it all up. Eddie decks Tess with the European title and gets the win in eight minutes and 30 seconds. New European title holder, Eddie Guerrero. I am going to make a lot of people mad here. I am not an Eddie Guerrero fan. I don't think I don't like Eddie. Never did like Eddie. Don't find him entertaining whatsoever. I think that his entering work is fine. His entering work, uh, I was not a fan of Test either. Uh, This match was was terrible. I think Test got a raw deal because the wedding angle where Stephanie ended up marrying Triple H really hurt Test. It made him look like a fool. It did. It killed him, and he was done after that. He stuck around for way too long at this point in time. He didn't have a fair a fair chance in the wrestling business. Uh, Test, another one that has p- such passed away. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, they would not be the last. It would not be the last. There was quite a few more on this uh, on this pay-per-view. Backstage, Mick Foley tells Michael Cole he can call the Shane and Vince match right down the middle. Well, he's a referee. That's what he should do. Here's, here's my thing. I have never refereed in a hand-spray-painted black and white striped shirt. Like Mick Foley does. That's what I need. That's the key. That's, That's why you're key. not getting over. That's why I'm not getting over. I need to make my own hand painted. Stone Cold's just arriving, too. He's late. He needs to be fined. Him and The Rock, the main eventer, showing up late. When you're Austin and you're the champ, you can do whatever you want, I guess. Kurt Angle is out next. He's got the mic, and he tells the crowd that he's not a fan of Texas, and he can show the 65,000 in attendance that he has never and will never tap out. Please lose the freaking cowboy hats. And also that their Texas flag is 49 stars short of a full... He's got a good point. He does. Benoit's out next. He just walks to the ring like he always did. They spend the next opening few minutes doing mat work and exchanges. 
I wouldn't know how to call it anyway because I don't was, know real wrestling. It was just straight amateur high school Greco-Roman wrestling. I found it very entertaining. That was pretty much most of this match, believe it or not. It was fine because it was different. It was different. You don't see it anymore. You haven't seen it since. It was a good It was a good way to stand out on this card. Eventually, Benoit tries for a crossface. Angle gets to the ropes. Angle gets visibly frustrated because he can't out-mat wrestle Benoit. And he eventually bails outside to compose himself, so he's already taken shortcuts. Here we get another crossface attempt. Get another rope break, and then Angle strikes Benoit, thus showing that he's ditching shoot-style offense and saying he can't out-wrestle Chris Benoit. Angle hits a snap suplex for two, repeats it for another two, and we get Angle hitting a couple of gorgeous belly-to-belly suplexes on Chris Benoit. Benoit avoids a third with a clothesline. Then Benoit goes on offense. He hits a superplex off the top rope for a two-count. Benoit attempts the triple Germans on Kurt Angle. He gets two before Angle rolls it into an ankle lock. Benoit reverses it into an ankle lock of his own. Then Angle kicks his way out, and catches him with a crossface. Angle reverses it into a crossface, and then Benoit gets to the ropes. So right there, both men putting on their submission finishers and something we'd see later in the night you're as gonna well. You're going to see later on in, into the uh, end of the night, but you also, at one point in time, the ref gets knocked down. Yeah, the ref takes a bump. At this point in time, Kurt Angle taps takes, out to the crossface. And you don't see it cause the ref's down. Chris Benoit gets very angry, gets up. Hey, what's your deal? Olympic slam. One... Two, kick out. Then Angle goes for the moonsault. It's very bizarre that Kurt Angle, a mat-based wrestler, does a moonsault. I love Kurt Angle's wrestling ability. I I think he's extremely entertaining. And the fact that he can mat wrestle but also take it to the air with that moonsault is incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. Benoit gets knees up, so he blocks it. And he caught him on the chin. Nobody really called it like that, but he caught him square on the chin. And I really thought he almost dislocated his chin. At this point in time, Chris Benoit goes to the top. Hits the diving headbutt. We go for a pin. One, two, kick out. Then we get Angle hitting a low blow. And he rolls up Benoit for a quick three while he pulled on the tights. What a cheater. He gets the win in 14.04. Referee Patrick Young. You really should have had this match, man. A a quick schoolboy roll-up. And I still, once again, make the argument that is the way an entertaining matchup should go. It's the right way when you're starting a feud because this was the start of the feud. Exactly. But it was a great... I'm a huge fan of uh, Chris Benoit. His pre-2007 work. His pre-2007 work is... uh, Still enjoy watching him to this day. Uh, Him and Kurt Angle pulled off a great match. This is one match that I think showed that this pay-per-view was going to stand out. What made it even more impressive is that it was built off of Monday Night Raw. So this was one of the late additions to the card. So this almost didn't happen. It almost didn't. And it worked, though. It turned out to be... One of the one, I wouldn't say the match of the night, but one of the matches of the night. First, we stop backstage and we have Kamala destroying William Regal's office. That is right. I Kamala forgot. and Kimchi and, and Harvey Whippleman and are destroying William Regal's office. Kamala wants to rub the moons on the queen. Jr. and Paul tease the gimmick battle royal happening later tonight. I didn't take any notes for this match because I didn't really <laughs> cover it that much. I said women's champ Ivory is out next. This wasn't a match. She's squashed by China in two minutes thirty. Nine seconds. Th- this wasn't a match. This was uh, the this story was an line. angle. Yeah. The storyline right to censor was banned from ringside. Uh, would ban them if going into it, she signed a waiver saying that if China ever broke China's neck or whatever, she wouldn't be held liable. Yeah, this uh, is from a Royal Rumble angle. Yeah, this was from a Royal Rumble angle where she did get hurt. I think at one point in time, Ivory didn't even get the belt off till halfway through this two minutes. So. 
It was just a squash match. And a real else. come down for China. A former Intercontinental Champion. Now she has to wrestle for the women's belt. Uh, this is probably China's only WrestleMania moment. But now we're getting into one of the most entertaining WrestleMania matches of all time. Oh, I disagree entirely. I, I love this match and will watch this match religiously over and over again. Vince is backstage and he makes sure that Linda is doped up real good for the Shane and Vince match coming up. Michael Cole wants to know what Vince thinks about Shane buying WCW. We get a promo at Rolls recapping the entire feud. Shane's out first. He wants to say big ups to all his WCW boys who are sitting in the press box. Can you name everybody that was up there? Nobodies. They're <laughs> nobodies. <laughs> Can you name anybody that's up there is the better question. Uh, we had Johnny Ace. Johnny Ace. I don't know who else was up there. You had Meat. Uh, who oh, yeah. Have to go. Uh, but yeah, there wasn't. You had Chavo Guerrero. Wow. You did have Chavo. Oh, you had who? You had Stacy. Stacy Keebler. Uh, but that was pretty much it. There wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was Goldberg or Hogan or anybody up there. Vince comes out with Stephanie by his side. You probably have more play-by-play than I do written down. I love this match. I'm going to go ahead and go take it over from the top. At one point in time, you have Mick Foley at this point in time coming out. He says it's going to be right down the middle, guys. He calls him to the center of the ring. He's laying down the, the law. All of a sudden, a huge smack to Shane's face by Vince. Um... And that's just where it goes down from there. Uh, He starts pummeling away at about a minute and a half. You start realizing that Vince laid in a couple of those pretty pretty stiff, and uh, Shane's eyes start swelling pretty bad. I have a question here. Shane lays Vince on the Spanish announce table. Why does it always got to be the Spanish table? The English announce team needs their monitors more than the the Spanish announce team. I haven't understood that. That is one question every fan has always asked. And truthfully, even being in the business, I cannot answer. Why is it always the Spanish announce table? Anyway, you see Shane go up to the top. He jumps from the top rope all the way down to the Spanish announce table. You see uh, Stephanie pull Vince out of the way at the last second. Crash and burn for Shane McMahon. See Trish bringing down Linda. Trish, who had a love triangle going on with Vince at this time, is helping him up. After being made to look like a fool on Monday Night Raw just the week prior, you see the big swerve where Trish slaps Vince McMahon, leading into a huge cat fight with Trish and Stephanie. Mick Foley steps in, and Stephanie smacks Mick, and she hauls off on him. Trish t- uh, chases Stephanie out of the ringside area. Vince gets up. He notices Linda, takes her, puts her in the ring, sits her up in the corner in a chair, and says that he is going to make sure, on his word, that she watches him beat her son's ass. All of a sudden, the crowd erupts. One of the loudest eruptions, I think. Linda McMahon comes out of her comatose state and stands up, walks over, and kicks Vince right in his grapefruits. Here's something that doesn't make sense. Okay, so Vince sets up Linda in the, in the chair in the corner and says, hey, you watch this. This, okay, but then he goes and gets garbage cans. He gets Shane's favorite weapon. He gets like four or five of them. Yeah, and tosses them into the ring. That's not smart, Patrick. No. Don't get your enemy's favorite weapon. I wouldn't go get Triple H's sledgehammer and bring it into the ring. No, that's not good. That's not a good idea. So yeah, he goes to hit Shane with one of the trash cans. Linda stands up. He spins around, sees her, and then his legs are too close together, so you see Linda you say... You see, spread them a little yeah, bit more. you see Linda pause for a second and say, spread your legs, Vince, and then she kicks him in the balls because, yeah, his legs are too close together. Shane hits his coast-to-coast. Unfortunately, the camera misses it because Mick Foley's in the way. 
Yes. We'll catch it on the replay, though. But that was the end of the match. One, two, three. Shane McMahon wins. Shane hits the coast-to-coast and gets the three count in 14 minutes and 12 seconds, and WCW beats the WWF to win the Monday Night Wars. And I wish that had happened. But this was, in all honesty, one of the most entertaining WrestleMania matches of all time. I stand behind that remark. Love to watch this match over and over again. Whoever had the the brains to hold up the sign as we saw Vince coming down to ringside that said it's family night here at WrestleMania, the camera guy, big ups to production team for catching that as you're going into this match. It was uh, one of my favorite signs of seeing on TV. It it just added to the match as well. For a match with non-wrestlers, it's a fine match. But there's only three big spots in it. What makes it so great is Linda's acting because she's such a good zombie. She she sold that. And the crowd. The crowd's response to she it. She sold that and I'm telling you, yeah, when, when she stood up, the crowd went nuts. I wasn't really that impressed with the match, so um, it was fine, but I think the year before this, we had a McMahon in every corner match right. at WrestleMania 2000, so I just get kind of sick of it, I guess. A promo airs with the Hardys discussing TLC2. They come out first, followed by Edge and Christian, and then the Dudleys. They are the champs, so they are out last. Hardys hit poetry in motion on the Dudley boys in the corner. Edge and Christian bring in the first ladder and the first chair into the ring. They drop toehold Jeff Hardy onto the chair. A ladder gets set up by Matt. Edge knocks him off the ladder. Edge goes up for the belt, but he's knocked off by Jeff. Then we get Christian trying for the belt. Matt pulls him off. Then we get two ladders now set up in the ring. The Hardys do a leg drop and splash simultaneously. See, yeah, Jeff Hardy hit a splash where Matt hits a leg drop. Alabama Jam, whatever you want to call it, out of all these years. Is that what it's called? That is, that is, Bobby Eaton, to my knowledge, is the first to hit a top rope leg drop, and so it was called the Alabama Jam. Big ups, big shout out to uh, to my friend Bobby. Uh, now it's a spot fest. Now Dudley's yeah. hit was up on Edge. Then it's Devon, get the tables. They set up one in the ring and put one in the corner. Edge is laid out on the table. Then Bubba power bombs Jeff through Edge through the table. The Dudley stack up tables on the outside of the ring for later in the match. Now there are three ladders set up in the ring. They line them all up under the belts. Everyone lines up on the ladders and start brawling for the belts. Six men, 14 feet in the air, and you see the ladders start falling over one by one. Two ladders fall over. Now it's just Bubba and Edge on the remaining ladder under the belts. Christian took the hardest fall at that point in time from going all the way from being that high up all the way to the floor. No, he didn't. He missed the ring ropes altogether. He went all the way to the floor at that point in time. When Bubba and Edge are the last two remaining, they just punch each other and have to jump they, off the ladders. They, yeah. They um, had nowhere to go. They had nowhere to go. Nothing to work with that. At this point, the crowd's on their feet. Then we get the first run in. Spike Dudley, he comes in, hits an acid drop on Edge and Christian. Christian gets to go through a table outside the ring. Then we get ECW chance, which brings out Rhino. We get Rhino. He hits a gore on Matt Hardy through a table. And then we get Lita running out. Lita runs out. She hits Spike with a chair shot to the head. She hits a hurricane run off the top to Rhino. To Rhino. Then she immediately turns around, grabs a chair, hits Spike in the head with a chair. The Dudleys hit the Doomsday device on Rhino, then the Lita chair shot to Spike Dudley. 
Then we get a 3D on Lita, a concerto to Bubba from Edge and Christian. Then Jeff Hardy pulls out the 30-footer on the outside of the ring, and he does a swanton dive through Spike Dudley and Rhino through a table. Edge then puts the 30-foot ladder in the ring, so now there are three normal ladders plus the big 30-footer. Christian and Devon go for the belts. They do the hanging off the belt spot. And then this is where the only botch in the match happens. This is when Jeff tries to do a ladder walk. Now... Had he pulled this off, this would have been Jeff Hardy's highlight WrestleMania moment because that is insane. I have been in the ring on top of a ladder trying to hang belts up for ladder matches. It's a lot more difficult than you think. And uh, I've been on a ladder and not in a wrestling ring, and yes, it's difficult it's getting difficult. on. It's difficult. And so had he been able to pull this off, it was great. But it's set up for... Edge's first WrestleMania moment, in my opinion, uh, one of his biggest. Bubba grabs the ladder that uh, Jeff is on, carries it all the way over to the opposite corner. At this point in time, Edge is in the opposite corner of that. Jeff release, he swings out, and he catches a spear off the top of the 30-foot ladder all the way to the to the mat, which was insane. I wouldn't want to take that bump, but as far as visually, I didn't really... I'm not that impressed by this. I love this spot. I hate that this is like the last spot of the match. I just don't... Bubba and Matt climbing up up to a ladder uh, trying to get the belts. Rhino comes in and pushes them off. Bubba and Matt go all the way from in-ring to the floor through four tables. Rhino set the ladder back up, and he gets... Rhino carries Christian up the ladder. Up the ladder on his shoulders to get the belts. Christian uh, gets the belts in 1547. What, what's your thoughts on this match? Out of all the TLC matches, would you rank this one? I would rank this one as the best. I think this is the best of those matches involving these teams. This is definitely the best one. I don't know if it's the best ladder match of all time. I wouldn't go that far but best tlc match i would because of that everything that they've done since then including money in the bank matches they've just they've never been able to you just have spots it's turned into where it's a spot match and and they have never done as many dangerous spots as they did in this match exactly it's 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 an unattainable it's the the hell in the cell mick foley scenario where every single hell in a cell match since 98 with it McFoley, doesn't it, doesn't, it doesn't match up. Now we're getting into one of my favorites as well, the Gimmick Battle Royal. Yeah, first we get to see some highlights from Fan Access, and now it's time for the Gimmick Battle Royal. We get Mean Gene and Bobby Heenan. They're here to call the Gimmick Battle Royal, and they're available since WCW conveniently went out of business a week before. Ex- so <laughs> We have the uh, the Bushwhackers come out, Luke and Butch, uh, Duke the Dumpster Drozzy, the Iron Sheik, Earthquake, the Goon, Doink. Played by Ray Apollo. Correct. We had uh, Kamala. Kamala and Kimchi, Repo Man, Jim Cornette, Nikolai Volkov, One Man Gang, and one of my favorites... The Freebird, Michael P.S. Hayes, The Gobbledygooker, Fred Odeman, better known as Tugboat, Hillbilly Jim, Brother Love, and Sergeant Slaughter. Who was, if just looking at that card, we, I mean, we know who won, but just looking at that card, who would you pick is better, is their, their best chances of winning this match? Based on how they looked coming to the ring? Based on how they looked coming to the ring. Oh, well, that's easy. Hillbilly Jim. Hillbilly Jim looked ripped. ripped. He did. Hillbilly Jim. He was Jim. stacked. The kid side of me, Doink. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad to see Doink Doink back. got a huge reaction when Doink he Doink got out. a huge reaction. Kamala got a huge reaction. Jim Cornette. I'm good friends with Jim. I did not expect to see Jim in this match. Jim. Michael Hayes was my pick. Well, you know how they picked the winner. They picked the winner for the guy who couldn't take the bump to the outside of the ring. <laughs> 
So that's why Iron Sheik is your winner because he can't bump over the top rope. It, we come down so to the, he wins the final in 307. four. Yeah, the final four was Brother Love, Sergeant Slaughter, Hillbilly Jim, Iron Sheik. You got Slaughter eliminates Love, Jim eliminates Slaughter, Iron Sheik eliminates Jim. Iron Sheik wins in how long? It took three minutes and seven seconds. Once they got in the ring, they said everybody out. That was pretty much it. And uh, I don't think the Bushwhackers were in and out in a matter of like 30 seconds, I think. That's the way to do it. And, and, you get paid the same whether you win or lose, and at, Patrick. And, and at that point in time, it was just a throw them over the top. How a Royal Rumble would be if there were no spots in the match and they just said throw somebody out of the ring. You get a shout out to the UFSA, Sergeant Slaughter getting back in. And now, uh, Sergeant Slaughter is a huge jerk here. He gets a <laughs> he lost the match and he's got to get his heat back, so he he's hops in and beats back. up. Poor Iron Sheiky Baby. I don't know how, how old Sheiky Baby was here, but Sheiky Baby was old. Sheiky Baby oh, could yeah. hardly walk. And obviously, I and mean. He gets the Cobra Clutch. He for gets his the trouble. Cobra Clutch. These for his guys trouble. used to be best friends, too. Back when they were, of course, working for Saddam Hussein back in the early 90s. So we, if I could have picked somebody that I wanted to win, not just based on how they looked, I would have picked the Quake Muffin, Earthquake. I would have wanted. Earthquake to have won. Okay. So, in all honesty, and this is no joke, this is a real question. Would you say every couple of years at a WrestleMania, do a gimmick battle royal? We've talked about this before, and I brought up the fact that you're not going to find enough people alive to do it, unfortunately. I think you would. You can find people like the goon, you know. You can find some of these guys, but I mean, you got the Andre Battle Royal. I would much rather, in all honesty, because I thought going into it at WrestleMania 30, the Andre Battle Royal was a great idea. They've kind of incorporated the legends into that with DDP being in this past year. Well, and you had Tatanka in this past year's as well. But I think just a straight legends Battle Royal, I think it would be great. I would like to hopefully see that come back. Hopefully in another 20 years when the wrestlers are living longer, we can have one. I'm hoping within like the next five. Okay. But, you know. but we get into... Uh, we get a promo package for the Triple H for and the T- Triple Undertaker H. match. Uh, Motorhead plays out Triple H, and they botch all his lyrics to his song. Then uh, <laughs> Biker Taker, which I hate. I hated Biker Taker. Uh, he comes out to Limp Biscuits Rollin'. It's all about Limp Biscuit in uh, 2001. This, it, it was. Um, One of the dumbest things I ever argued with somebody is, I argued that Limp Biscuit was a better band than you 2 Yeah. See, I listen to classic country, so I don't... Don't even know half of these people you're talking about. This was when I was a freshman in high school, so oh, Limp well. Biscuit was that was my jam. That Patrick. was your guy. You see the Spanish announce table get broke again. They start brawling on the outside, and Taker sends H through the new Spanish announce table with a punch. With a punch, he punches him, and then Triple H just sort of. It's not even an announce table. It's a regular, just like it's a leftover TLC table. It is that they just set up for him. Yeah, Triple H just hops on. And it. I'm sitting there thinking you have. Have a whole untouched announce table. Why focus strictly on the Spanish announce table? I don't understand it. You'll see later what we're saving. You will see later, though. Uh, This match I didn't enjoy. Uh, Your your high spot of this entire match, um, instead of strictly doing play by play, was uh, Undertaker choke slamming Triple H off of the, the camera scaffold. I don't have a lot of play-by-play for this match because there's not a lot of moves in the match. And uh, Well, that's what I mean. Taker goes on offense after no-selling a running knee. He hits a huge back body drop on Triple H. Triple H is really selling for Taker's striking here, even though some of Taker's striking looks very bad. Taker hits a running power slam. He goes for old school. He even shouts, old school, before he tries it. 
But H knocks him off the ropes. Well, he uh, stood up there for a good twenty seconds. I mean, how how long do you have to wait for this? Wait guy? for this guy. Triple H hits a neck breaker for two. Triple H goes to get his trusty sledgehammer, which he hid under the timekeeper's table. Mark Eaton. Mark Eaton's a heel over there hiding that that uh, sledgehammer. Eaton, he he threw Mark Eaton. I mean, he chucked him out of that. Triple H gets in the ring, but good ref Mike Kyoto. Tries to take that sledgehammer away. Big props to Mike. Mike Kyoto doing his job. Well, uh, for a minute, he does for his a, job. For a minute. And then Triple H goes for a pedigree, but Taker slingshots Triple H into the ref. And that knocks Mike Kyoto a little dizzy, but he's still okay. Uh, Undertaker hits a choke slam for two. He's very upset at Mike Kyoto's two count here. And he, he does. He assaults a referee, Patrick. He. He blasts Mike Kyoto, and uh, I would have called for the bell at this point in time. <laughs> but he didn't see what happened, I mean, Patrick. We've already we've seen one guy get hit. We've seen the, these refs are these getting refs. Up. This is a rough night for the refs. They're going to have to go on strike again. Uh, they are. Um, if you get hit from behind, Patrick, as a referee, can't you just assume who it was? You just saw. You just made the count. You know. So yeah, you would have rang for the bell. You no, 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 no. You're gonna let it go. I would let it go. Uh, I would not have took Triple H's crap, but I mean, you know. So then Undertaker and Triple H go into the crowd and they fight near the tech area, and then yes, here is the one spot the of the one match. One spot of the match, which looked awesome. Until they showed the replay of it, and then you realize once they see the replay from a different angle, Triple H fell like. Three feet <laughs> onto a giant onto mattress. A giant mattress of foam. This was really bad camera work on the second replay go around. I believe I would have tried to shoot it better, uh, but it was a great spot nonetheless. The production truck should have known better than to show the replay because from the angle originally it looks like oh my goodness he literally just chucked him off. He like, just choke slammed. He just killed Triple H. Yeah. And then you see what he landed on, you're like, oh, this was a joke. Yeah, you see the replay, and yeah, it's about three feet into a big foam mattress. But then, to be even funnier, Undertaker does an elbow he into it. He jumps an elbow, he jumps off with an elbow. He wants to get comfy in that foam, so he does an elbow onto Triple H. You see him get back into the ring. And Mike Kyoto is still he unconscious. Is, he is selling this for all it's worth. He um, was down for like seven minutes. That was a heck of a walk just to get out there to do that one spot, truthfully, for them. And uh, so... So Taker wants to hit Triple H with Triple H's... uh, Taker wants to hit Triple H with Triple H's sledgehammer. uh, Low blow from Triple H to stop him. Then Triple H runs at Taker with the sledgehammer and gets a big boot. So Triple H then tries to tombstone Undertaker. But Taker reverses it. This is the guy's move. Of course he's going to know how to reverse it. Taker reverses it into one of his own. But the ref is still down, so there's no count. Mike Kyoto, I'm, I'm failing it for you, brother. Taker calls for the last ride. Triple H grabs his hammer before he gets picked up and smashes Taker in the face with it as he's being lifted up. Here's where we see Taker bleed. Taker bleeds here because the... The stick of the hammer went through the foam thing, so the the stick actually went through the sledgehammer part and and caught him square. I mean, it wasn't. This was the hard way. This was no. 
Yeah, I mean, they were pretty protective of Undertaker bleeding. I mean, how can a phenom bleed, Patrick? Exactly. This was the hard way. and um, But you see, at this point in time, they're getting back up. Yeah, Hunter goes to batter. Uh, Triple H goes to batter Undertaker in the corner, so he gets up on the top rope. Undertaker says, hey, thanks, man. And he just lifts him up a little bit higher and hits him with the last ride for the three in 18 minutes and 57 seconds. This match should have gone seven. But they wouldn't have had time to get out to the tech area. That is true, because it did kill a good six minutes walking back and forth to the battling the crowd just to do that one spot. Yeah, their walking brawl took up most of this. Yeah. Um, Two questions for you. Number one, this was number what on Undertaker's streak? Well, he missed WrestleMania 2000. He had missed the year before. Correct. He debuted at WrestleMania 7. Correct. So, okay, he did. Let me count. Now, I'm not good as you as counting. He was at 7, he was at 8, he was at 9. He was at 10, he was at 11, he's at 12, he's at 13, he's at 14, he misses 15. So he's here at 16. Oh, no, he misses He, he missed, missed 16. He missed WrestleMania 10. That's where you messed up on your count. This oh. was number nine on the streak for The Undertaker. He didn't do WrestleMania 10? He was not at WrestleMania 10. Okay. Also, question number two. Actually, this really isn't a question. This is just a fact. Did you know that Triple H is the only man to face The Undertaker three times at WrestleMania? But Patrick, you remember the build-up for WrestleMania 27? They we, they claimed we that were this there. match never happened. Right, we were there. Yeah, that was they promoted that as their first ever WrestleMania meeting, and it was yeah. So yeah, well, when you're Triple H, you get to do what you want. When so. you're Triple H and you're running the show, you can say and do whatever you want to do. At least he's not the one that ended the streak. But we see a great promo package at the end of this, and we're not going to get into that topic because part of my childhood died when the streak ended. That, like, you, we were there. We were there. We were adults. Oh, you were very upset. I was yes. upset. I was a grown man crying, and I am not ashamed to admit it. I was extremely upset to see my childhood get flushed down the toilet by the likes of Brock Lesnar. Up next, we get the legendary My Way Limp Biscuit promo for the main event. This inspired a generation of music video promo packages. This was a great promo package. Officially, as of now, you are managing The Rock. Off the splash, managing The Rock? What the hell is that? 
I never asked for Deborah to be my manager, never wanted Deborah to be my manager. But the fact of the matter is this, is she's not my responsibility. She's not my wife. She's your wife. Angle's gonna break Deborah's ankle for God's sake! Wait a minute, there's a rattlesnake! You never, ever, ever put your hands on another man's wife! Austin warned him! Let's just go ahead and take Deborah out of equation. Bam, she's non-factor. The fact is, Rock, you got the WWF title, and I want it. The Bubba Bowl is furious. He's talking on here. Set him up. He wants that rock bottom. Here it comes. He's on oh, the rock bottom angle from behind. All hell is broken loose. Here comes rock bottom. Rock bottom angle. Look at Austin. Look at Austin. Stop it. How will the rock retaliate? There could be hell to pay for Austin. Let's go call Steve Austin. Isn't waiting until WrestleMania. Your bald-headed, double-studded, candy ass belongs to the Rock. Wait a minute! The Rock is getting the Stone Cold Stunner. The Stone Cold Steve Austin. How personal can this get? Can you imagine what it's gonna be like at WrestleMania? Just one more fight and I'll be history. Yes, I will straight up leave your shit. It makes you want to watch the match. It really calls for it. The one thing that I didn't understand is you have to build up a week before where they're sitting there having the the interview. Right. And apparently Deborah was supposed to come out with The Rock. They just dropped that. They nobody said, Hey, here's why. Nobody that that's just that was a that is a part of this match that I am still to this day trying to figure out because she just didn't show. But it would have made it would have made the match so much worse had she shown it up. It would have. I'm not denying that fact. I'm this just was, saying. This is Stone Cold wanting to get his wife a payday. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> for the WWF title, we have Stone Cold Steve Austin taking on The Rock. And this is their second meeting at a WrestleMania. Their first being WrestleMania 15. That's right. Austin's out first. He gets a massive response. They are in Houston. He comes out to his disturbed version of his song, which I like. I do, too. I wish that when he kept that, basically. The Rock comes out. He gets a so-so response. Austin immediately unloads a flurry of punches when Rock gets down from his ring pose. 
Austin hits a Thez press, and he is on fire. He is moving super fast. He is fired up. Rock looks for a rock bottom, then Austin looks for the stunner, but neither get their finisher. And then the match slows down as they brawl to the outside. Austin and Rock bail outside. Then they battle into the crowd for a minute. It doesn't really go anywhere. Eventually they makes it uh, eventually they make it back into the ring. Austin gets a superplex off the top rope. Then he takes the turnbuckle pad off, which we saw earlier in the night. Rock gets fired up for a minute. He tosses Austin outside. This is when Earl gives Rock a blade, and Austin decks Rock with the ring bell, and Rock proceeds I, I to blade. I love this. I love this. I wish Earl Hetner wishes he was as good as me, but still. I love the fact that Earl Hetner fell over the steps as a point in time to do the blade handoff. That was brilliant. <laughs> it was awesome. Very well thought out. Very well done. Uh, as you say, he hit him with the ring bell, and here we go. Rock does a bad job blading. Austin wants more color. Uh, the main announce table just gives way while Rock is laying on it. Like Austin Austin punches Rock. He goes on the announce table, and it just breaks. It just breaks. It was, uh, I think they were going Cheap for... Cheap table. Yeah, they were going for the spot with Austin jumping off the guardrail like he did at WrestleMania 15. Uh, just couldn't support the Rock's weight, and it gave way, which killed... Every mo- every bit of momentum they had going at this point in time. Back in the ring, Austin works on Rock's cut. Uh, he, he's not satisfied with his color, so he's going to open it up a little bit more. Austin scores with a neck breaker for a two count. Then Rock gets back on offense. He flips Austin the bird, then throws Austin into the turnbuckle. Austin blades and takes a bell shot for a two count. Rock puts on his shark shooter, as I call it, because it looks terrible. <laughs> Austin gets a rope break in this no DQ match, and this is Earl Hebner. This, this is, is the Earl chief. Hebner. This is the head of officiating. Calls a, for a rope break in, in a, a no, no DQ, DQ match. match. It's uh, Earl, dude, you're making us look bad, man. Come on, you got to pick up the pace. You got to get better at what you're doing. <laughs> but if they didn't do it, there was no way for him to get out of it. You, realistically, I, we, we should have had some way of him. There was a better way of trying to pull that off. Well, instead he, of making. Earl look like an idiot. He could have gotten out of it like The Rock did when Austin tries one on him. The Rock just sort of kicks him away. Exactly. And then Austin puts it on again, and then Rock gets a rope break. So, okay, I gave you one, Earl. That's fine. Yeah. You slip up and forget that it's an ODQ match, but Rock gets a rope break right after that. This is why Earl Hepner wishes he was as good as me. That's this all is why the WWE let him go. Oh, and for selling counterfeit t-shirts out of his trunk. Yes, that too. Uh, Austin refuses to break it, uh, break the sharpshooter at first, and flips off Earl. Well, he should flip off Earl. <laughs> Earl deserves it. <laughs> then we get Austin tries the million dollar dream on the rock, and he does the turnbuckle reversal into a cover for two. A callback to an earlier Austin Bret Hart match. Rock hits a stunner on Stone Cold Steve Austin for a two count. Then Vince McMahon comes out completely unannounced. I love this. I love this because it made everybody wonder what in the hell is Vince doing coming out here? Are we going to see Survivor Series 97? What's going on? Austin hits an orange spine buster for two. Then Rock returns the favor. We get a people's elbow for a two count. And then Vince pulls the Rock off. So he's definitely working for Austin. I was believing this was the end of the match. And kudos to 51-year-old Vince at the time to be able to slide in there, pull the rock off, and break up this. I mean, timing was great. 
Uh, the Rock chases Vince, and then chase. he runs into the ring and eats a rock bottom from the Stone rock Cold eats Steve Austin. A rock bottom by Austin. I love the fact that they're, which they did in their last match as well together at WrestleMania, doing each other's finishers. But um, but I, I just I love this whole build up with Vince because even then you've got Jr. going, well, what's he doing? Why is Vince? You know, why is he getting involved? Austin looks for the stunner. Uh, he can't get it. Earl gets sent to the floor. Austin says, hey, Vince, why don't you grab me a chair? Austin holds Rock, and Vince nails him with a chair to the head. One of the few times you ever see this work in wrestling. Yes. Usually someone ducks out of the way. They duck or something. But he took a – it was a pretty bad head chair shot, but he took a head chair shot nonetheless. Vince uh, rolls Earl in, and he counts a slow injured ref two count. The crowd is going nuts for the kick out. They're making Rock look super strong here. And Austin loses his Austin mind. Austin goes berserk. He grabs the chair, and I kept count. He hits well, the Rock. Before that, he goes for he gets the chair, goes for a chair shot, but Rock hits a rock bottom. Oh, okay. Well. Then Vince keeps Earl from making the count. And then while Rock is beating up Austin, Austin wakes up. Hits a stunner, and Rock does his Rock supercell for the stunner where he does he like a back handspring. He flips and flops worse than a fish out of water. And then Austin grabs the chair, hits a nasty chair shot to the face. Cover. One, two. And oh, a kick the Rock out. kicks out. And once again, we see Austin lose his mind. Yes. This is where he grabs the chair, and he hits the rock 16 times. I'm glad you counted the same amount as I, I did. 16 yeah. times. And so a total with that 16 plus the headshot earlier in the match, the rock took 17 chair shots in this match. He took more than that. He took because... Vince hit the one where Austin was holding the rock, so he actually took 18. Well, that's what I'm saying, 17. 18. He took 18? Because? My, my count was off. I think. He took a lot of damn He took a shots. lot of chair shots. Here's the deal, folks. I've took 13 in one single match before, and it made me loopier than hell, and I was completely out of it. So the fact that Rock took this many and allowed himself to take this many... Uh, kudos to the Rock. Well, to be fair, some of them were the old the chair old, to the middle. Yeah. The chair to the midsection. A chair shot is a chair shot. I don't care who it is or what it is. So Rock takes 16 chair shots, and then Austin just covers him. With a one, one two, and a three. Winner and new champ, Stone Cold Steve Austin in 28 minutes. Seven seconds. We get a handshake with Vince. The crowd is going ballistic. They like it. They like it. This because was, it didn't this, work. This was the chance to finally see Austin turn heel, and it didn't work. Why did they think that this would work in Texas, though? Why? Yeah. Why do it in Houston, Texas? Why do it? I mean, you're turning. I there love, should be hints of it, too, there because be there's no it. hints before Vince walks out. Exactly. I, but I love the, the fact that here it is. We're going to see Austin turn heel finally. Yes, yes, yes. And the crowd's going nuts over it. And it killed everything that they were trying to do. Well, not only that, some people in the crowd, I'm sure, thought Vince turned into a good guy because right. he helped our guy, Stone Cold Steve Austin, win the match. It was, uh, it was a very unique way to end the match. 
Then it's time for a beer party with with Stone Cold and Vince. They have a beer party. JR remarks, he should have just urinated on the rock. Uh, Then uh, Rock, he stumbles to his feet and takes a belt shot from Austin, too. Takes a belt shot to the head. Rock's had a hard night. Yeah. See you later, Rock. Go to the bank. Go to the film The Scorpion King. Go film The Scorpion King. We'll see you in six months. And we go to a promo at the end of the The show. The recap. Going over everything. And that was the end of WrestleMania 17. WrestleMania X7. X7. Sorry. Because it's 2001. Everything's cooler with X. Everything's cooler with X. uh, I have a question for you. Uh Uh-huh. On a scale... We ever we're gonna start doing this now. On a scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez. Oh wow, now it's Giant we're Gonzalez. Going, we're going eight foot, Giant Gonzalez. Hornswoggle, Giant Gonzalez, what would you call this match? I'm gonna have to give it an Andre. It's very close. We're going to the you're top. going all the way to the top with it. I would uh I agree. I'm going all the way, Giant Gonzalez. This is I wouldn't of, give it a John Gonzalez. Now, to be fair, this is one of my favorite WrestleManias of all time. Oh, I think this is most, and people's. it's one of the best ones. Yeah, uh, I have a couple of problems with the show, uh, just minor things. We, I can't nitpick too much. Well, I mean, and as I hinted on, the reason I picked it, you haven't seen a WrestleMania take place in a big stadium fashion since WrestleMania Eight. At this point in time, so they had gone nine years before they the WrestleMania had stepped back foot into a huge stadium, and so I was very happy to see that, and it played off perfectly. Uh, but yeah, it was a great, great pay per view, great match, great show. Uh, Some things I have wrong with the APA right to censor match could have been cut entirely. The the Eddie Test match was a uh, made no sense to me for the European title. Uh, I don't, I didn't care for it. I didn't like it. It made no sense. It was just kind of a. It was here. It is. So. And but, I don't. I don't get a lot out of the McMahon matches. See, I love the McMahon matches though. The McMahon matches. Rock. Shane's punching. I hate Shane's punching. But the fact is that Shane, who is not, neither one of them are professionally trained. Let's be clear on this. Shane is one fearless individual. When most guys are like, I'm not jumping off that, Shane's like, hell, I'll do it. Well, to be fair, he's the only one that can be allowed to do it. And so. Because uh, you know he won't sue. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh,. But he takes bumps that most guys in the business are like, you're not paying me enough to do that. So uh, I love watching a Shane McMahon match. And uh, Vince sells awesome. So I love watching a Vince McMahon match. Uh, it just it, I enjoyed the McMahon match. I enjoy them all. I, uh, but this one is my favorite. Uh, this is great, great match. And uh, like I said when we were talking about it, this is a match that I'd sit there and watch over and over again and still be entertained 20 years later. You know, so I enjoy having Paul Heyman and Jr. on commentary rather than having King and Jr. on commentary. I think this is a much better team. It was good to see Heyman showing his abilities on a microphone doing play-by-play with uh, with Jr. Um, I still. 
I still say that King and Jr. is the best commentating team of all time. Uh, but this one, this one rakes up there. If they were going to have to find a replacement for King, I think they did really well with uh, with Paul Heyman. But all right, it is now time. It is your chance, Alex. Hold on, hold on. Well, and one other thing: the decision to turn Stone Cold Steve Austin heel was the worst decision they could have possibly made. It it, it worked. No, it didn't. I think this led into the two man power trip, the worst with with thing Triple ever. H. Yeah, and, and then uh, Triple H got injured. Triple so H that, got injured. That killed that. And then you have uh, the invasion. The invasion, which killed everything. Uh, no, turning Austin heel was was really what started at the string of bad decisions. Yes. Uh, I love the idea that they were trying to go with it. Did it work? No. It did not work at all. Um, but it was brilliant because true wrestling fans are sitting there thinking, yes, yes, Austin's finally turning heel. And idiot, idiotic wrestling fans are like, yay, Vince is turning good. And it just it was a unique way of ending that pay-per-view. It was a unique way after watching 10 years of these two guys beat the crap out of each other, shake hands at the end of the... No, it's more like five years of watching them do that. But look, well, it's a big slap in the face to people that have watched for watched for five years because I've watched this feud for five years. There's no reason for this turn. Well, I mean... You've insulted me for watching the last five years of wrestling. It goes back to the fact of you never thought you'd see Hogan turn heel. But I, you see Hogan turn heel with the NWO in '96. Hulkamania was stale though when they did that turn. Stone Cold Steve Austin is still the biggest star in the world. Why? When they did why this. do the turn when you're stale? Why not go ahead and do because it? Because it freshens you up. Do the turn, man, when you're riding cloud nine. See, just you're going to put our company out of business just just to make people say, you know what? <laughs> you don't know what's going to come out of them next. And uh, and I think that's what. That's what made a lot of people enjoy, because when you think back, 2001, 2002, 2003 was one of the most exciting times in wrestling out of the uh, the Monday Night Wars. If you think back, that's because uh, you had your WCW guys, you had your old, you know, old guys coming back like Shawn Michaels in 2002 which I love that. I would love to get into that feud at another point in time, Sean and Triple H. Um, but, yeah, it, it just it was done tremendously well. And uh, it, it did. It, it added to one of the most entertaining times of a wrestling fan. And uh, so, but here it is. Here we go. Hold on. I still have a few more things to say. You have okay. Here it is. No, All no, right. just final final points on WrestleMania okay. X Seven. Uh, Here's f- a couple more reasons why I can't give it a giant Gonzalez on the scale of Hornswoggle to giant Gonzalez. Okay. All right. I can't give it that because because the decision of the heel turn was so ill thought out, and also it makes me sad because I realize that this is the end of the golden age. Now looking back in retrospect. It was. It was the end of the Monday Night Wars. Because Rock's going off to make movies. 
Austin is slowing down his in-ring career. He's going to be out of it completely in two in, years. In two years. Um, so, and now WCW's gone. So that's sad too. So this was this was kind of as we talked about at the beginning. This was the last true Attitude Era pay per view. It's the last Golden Era pay per view. Okay. I think it's the last. Wrestling at its highest point before it turns back into a, a niche product or whatever. Also, I highly suggest listening to Stone Cold Steve Austin did a podcast where he did play-by-play for his match with The Rock. So if anyone's out there, go back, find that on the internet. It's fantastic to listen to. He, he gives you the insight into the whole match. And uh, wrestlers don't really do that. Wrestlers you don't, never. You don't hear a lot of that. Um... I've heard of Mick Foley doing it time to time on some DVDs and things like that. But well, yeah, he talks about to, the to hell hear, in the cell every opportunity. To, te- he gets. to, to hear uh, Austin talk about it, I, yeah, it, it is. It's done very well. It's uh, it's very entertaining and it shows a lot of insight into a huge main event. I mean, when you think of WrestleManias, you think of fifteen, seventeen, and nineteen with Rock and Austin. This is the best match out of the three. This is the best match out of the three, yes. And so... Um, also, the fact that this is a rematch kind of, to me, makes it not such a great main event because we saw it. The Rock has lost to Stone Cold every single time going into this match. So it's weird that he's like, so Austin is so hell-bent on beating this guy. He's beat him every single time they've ever fought. But he's never beat him for the title. Well, uh, yeah, he beat him for the title at 15 because Rock went in as the champ at 15. Well, they don't want you to believe that. <laughs> Going but, into it, they he's like, I have to beat you for the title. I've beat you, but I have to beat you for the title. So they want you to believe that. But uh, it is a very entertaining pay-per-view, uh, one that I highly recommend. Any wrestling fans that want to see what – when we talk about different eras – uh, oh, I think this is the pay per view you show to somebody. You show to somebody that, that doesn't right. watch wrestling, exactly. and you say, "This is this here. is why I'm a fan." Yeah, I I think it is the greatest pay per view that ever was, but I can't give it a ten. I just want to hold that ten. So maybe down the road, there's maybe there's one we missed, or maybe there's one that's going to happen in the future that's even better. You, all- I actually think WrestleMania 30 that we went to. Was a great WrestleMania. WrestleMania 30 was great. Uh, it until, you know, my childhood died. Well, not only that, but, but also the aftermath that WrestleMania 30 had the Daniel Bryan Championship moment, and then he has to give up the title a few months later. So. But I mean, truthfully, while while I talked about it, you know, the fact that. You see The Undertaker lose at WrestleMania 30. Um, to be fair, the Divas Battle Royal was okay, yes. crap. But and the Shield you, had a three-minute match. How can you top the fact that here it is, 20 years, two decades of The Undertaker at WrestleMania, and here it is. He just finally the streak is over. That is the how do you top that? If they were going to do that, that should have been main event. 
No offense you to Daniel Bryan. No offense to Daniel Bryan. The no belt always to, has to go last until uh, it's SummerSlam 2016, and the belt's not on. And last. the belt's not on last. But I, I'm in the, with the crowd that the belt always goes on last. You could make a case for this WrestleMania, WrestleMania X7, that TLC should have been the main event. TLC was the 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 match of that card. TLC yeah. was the one that. And um, Austin Rock was the bigger story. It was the bigger story, but uh, I think that really and truly, I think that match made those six individuals stand out to Vince McMahon because later on is when you finally saw uh, well Jeff Hardy Jeff Hardy getting a title. You see, you finally see Edge getting a singles push. You finally saw Christian later on after that getting his singles and push. Bubba gets to be dancing Bubba Ray well, Dudley. Bub- and Devon gets to be Bubba Deacon and Devon got crapped on, but still. Okay, I've I've said enough. Now you can all right go on with your thing here. My thing is, I want to know which which pay per view are you picking for us to go through. On the next show. Next week. Episode three of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. As you know, it is now September, which means fall is close to being here. Fall is close to being here. Later this month, which also, back in the day, it meant fall brawl. Fall brawl, which which means war war games. games. Now, but I don't want to do a fall brawl war games. I want to do a good war games match, which is Wrestle War 1992. Which features Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance as the War Games main event. Wrestle War, WCW Wrestle War 1992. That's where we'll be going next week. Our first WCW pay per view that we're going to break down. And yes, I keep uh, dragging us back into the past. No, I'm all for it because, like, like we said, I'm straight up WCW guy all the way. Uh, Still think that they should have won the Monday Night Wars. Which I mean, listen to the people got, in this match. I'm, I'm, Sting, Barry Windham, Dusty Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat, Nikita Koloff versus Steve Austin, Rick Rude, Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, and Larry Zabisco with Polly Dangerously and Medusa in their corner. It is. It's it's a fantastic War Games match. Uh, I'd say probably the top two greatest in the top two of war games matches uh that is a very nice pick that is yeah. and that is a great pay-per-view on the undercard as well uh, yeah on the undercard we get ddp well that's a dark match never mind we get the free birds which is jimmy jam and michael hayes with terry uh, versus terry taylor and greg valentine Johnny B. Bad and Tracy Smothers. Well, that's a skippable one. Scotty Flamingo. Are you familiar with Scotty Flamingo? I do Flamingo? not know Scotty Flamingo. He did not last long. He wrestles Marcus Bagwell. Ron Simmons wrestles Mr. Hughes. And then we have the Super Invader versus Todd Champion. So we'll have to do some research on those people. A, a few, There's a few matches there where you're kind of like, what in the world am I getting myself into? The Super Invader being Hercules Hernandez. Okay. All right. He didn't last long in WCW then. I did not know he was in WCW. I didn't either. So. Then we have Big Josh versus Richard Morton. Richard Morton. So Matt Os- Better known as Richie. Better known as Ricky Morton. <laughs> not Richie. 
Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll Express. That's right. Ricky Morton versus the original Doink. Matt Bourne is Matt Big Bourne. Josh. I'm a big Matt Bourne fan. Uh, we lost Matt Bourne way too early. A great wrestler. Uh, the original Doink, uh, but Matt Bourne is a very underrated wrestler. A very, very crucial to what. Then we have Brian Pillman taking on Tom Zink. For the light heavyweight championship. Tom Zink. Do you remember Tom Zink? No. Tom Zink later became the Z-Man. <laughs> he became a Zima, a beer. Then we have the Steiner brothers taking on Tatsumi Fujinama. I'm going to have to learn my Japanese names. I got this. Tatsumi Fujinama. Fujinama. Tatsumi Fujinami. Fujinami, yes. And... Takayuki Izuka. And they are... Can you say that three times faster? I can't say it one time. Slow. <laughs> so that's what you have to look forward to It's the a, next it, episode of Retro Wrestling Podcast. At this point in time, as one of your guest hosts, I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young, alongside the one and only, the voice of a wrestling generation, intern Alex we'll see you next time what do you think sounds great Austin and McMahon made us work. Might as well urinate on a rock. That's what they've done to it.